Hello, and welcome to Art Rebound, the podcast exploring stories of resilience from the creative frontline. I'm Susan Maddox, artist, designer, and your host, as we get into the lives and careers of incredible artists. We'll be taking inspiration from the inevitable ups and downs of their journeys and the ways in which they nurture their own creative resilience. I hope these stories will inspire you and maybe even help you on your own creative path. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, I'm Susan Maddox. Welcome to the Art Rebound podcast. Today, we have award-winning photographer Stephanie Keith. She works with the New York Times, Reuters, Getty, Bloomberg, and the Washington Post, among others. She's won awards from the National Press Photographers Association and the Pictures of the Year photo competition. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. I've been following your work. I've known you for a long time and also been following your work for a long time and especially your work on the effects of the pandemic in New York. Felt like I sort of understood that what was happening in New York through your eyes, which was quite intense. (laughs) I've known you for a long time. When I knew you in the early 2000s in New York, I was not really aware of you being a documentary photographer. I'm really interested to hear your story about how you got to where you are today. Can you just tell me a little bit about how you got here? Yeah, photography wasn't the first thing I did right out of the gate when I got out of school. I actually studied anthropology and fine art painting. My first love was painting, and I maintained a studio for years and years and made paintings. And that no was, kidding. that's what I really loved more than anything was painting. Wow. I have and no idea. <laughs> I'd say that most of my artistic influences, especially from those early years, are all painters and not photographers. I kept painting, painting, painting through the years. And as I evolved as a person, I just felt that I... I, the whole being in the studio for hours and hours and hours by myself, Mm -hmm. like just wasn't working for me. And I really felt this need to go out into the world and in some way that was the painting practice didn't facilitate that. And at that time, a friend of mine moved to Egypt, to Cairo And uh, I followed her there and I lived in Egypt for a year and I just felt that I saw so many amazing things and I wasn't able to record it. And while I was in Egypt, I I thought I have to buy a camera. I need a camera. Wow. As soon as I came back from Egypt, I bought a camera and I enrolled in a uh, night class at a local college. I think it was at School of Visual Arts. Took a black and white photography class and just started, you know, shooting film and learning how to develop it and print it. And over the years, just then doing color. And I really fell in love with photography, even though I was still working as a a theatrical painter for a living. Wow. I I think that's around the time when we met. Mm. It was around when I was still doing theatrical painting for Mm -hmm. a living. And I really felt like I needed to 
do photography full time. I really loved it. Mm-hmm. I took a document. I took a photojournalism class, a night class at S- School of Visual Arts, and just fell in love with it. And I was like, "This is what I need to do. This is this is this is what I need to do." I did a little photography story about a young girl and her family. She had like a really alternative family, mm-hmm. and uh, on my one documentary story I applied to the International Center of Photography and I got accepted to their one-year program and that was really that really changed my life oh I'm sure that's amazing huh I went there for the year mm-hmm. and then I went to school for actually three years I went to ICP and then I went to NYU for two years and then when I was graduating from NYU, I had a, a meeting with my advisor and my advisor was like, what's your plan? Like, what are you going to do now that you're getting out of school? Mm-hmm. And I said, I was going to buy a digital camera and I was going to work for newspapers. She was said, what if that doesn't work out? You should have a plan B, you should have a backup plan. And I remember like standing up in the meeting and being like, <laughs> literally, it sounds so cliche now being like there is no plan b and i just like left the her office uh-huh. and i was like how dare she limit me and limit my vision and i was like furious and i love it that's amazing because i was so certain mm-hmm. that it was going to work out for me just it had to that's super powerful. I, I know that feeling of there being no plan B. <laughs> I just didn't, couldn't even imagine what else there could possibly be. Mm-hmm. What was the point of going to school all that time if I was mm-hmm. going to get out of school and then do a plan B, mm-hmm. you know? Like, what's the point? I went to school to become a photographer, what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. and But I'm a very realistic person. I had done a portfolio review and people were saying, oh, we like your work, but they weren't ready to give me a job. They said, you should try Newsday, which is a newspaper that used to have more of a presence in New York, but now they're mostly Long Island. And I went to Newsday and I didn't have any experience, but they said, oh, we need someone to shoot high school sports. That's what I did. I shot high school sports when I got out of school and it was really low pay. And uh, I didn't have a car, take my bike onto the subway and go to the last stop out (laughs) at the end in Queens and then bike the rest of the way to Queens College and photograph like a volleyball game (laughs) for $80. Needless to say, it wasn't very glamorous, but I was like working as a photographer and I didn't have to do that for too long after several months I ended up pitching a story to another magazine that uh, we're uh, called Sa- Saudi Aramco World. It was a magazine out of Houston. Hmm. I had an idea to do a story in Egypt because I lived in Egypt and they accepted my story idea. After three months of doing uh, high school sports, I was like on a plane back to Cairo. That's mm-hmm. how I got started. But Oh, yeah. It seems like probably the energy of like really committing to what you wanted to do was a really powerful driving force for you. Did that? I was also much younger then. I could (laughs) get a lot more energy. I would, but I was really like, this is going to work out for Mm -hmm. me. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to Mm -hmm. make this work out for me for Mm -hmm. sure. 
Do you feel like like that like changed your relationship with the work that you were doing? Like how you felt about the work you were doing at all? With the photojournalism, like originally I thought, oh, I'm going to do documentary projects, sort of like, like I'd studied anthropology and Mm-hmm. But then I thought, oh, I can make money doing working for newspapers and mm-hmm. news organizations. I'm going to do that for money while I do my own stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes that becomes really hard to juggle because you end up doing a lot of stuff for newspapers and news organizations that, let's face it, you would never have done it uh-huh. on your own or uh-huh. if you, as you wanted to, but you get like very sidetracked a lot having to work for newspapers and news organizations, like standing outside of courthouses and police precincts and doing that side of the really like hard news stories. Mm -hmm. Did you have, were there people in your life at all along the way? I don't know, saying things like trying to dissuade you on on some level, like saying like, Stephanie, this isn't realistic for you to be doing this. (laughs) A lot of people seem to think that it was going to be a really difficult thing. And especially because I went to photography when I was a little bit older Mm -hmm. than a lot of the other people. I was already competing against a lot of people who are much younger than me. Mm -hmm. And literally out of my class, either at... NYU and even at ICP out of all those people I went to school with like I don't think there's anyone that's still in the news business I can't think of a single person that still works maybe they work as an editor or they do fine art photography some people still do that especially from NYU but everyone else I don't even know what they do it is a difficult industry to make it for Mm -hmm. sure you have to be really really committed to it because the hours are weird the pay is low there really is no reason to do it (laughs) other than you feel compelled to do it it's just like in your blood did you feel like there was any advantage actually to coming to it a little bit later in life like having a little bit more life experience and having done other things beforehand I think so. I think so. I think the certainly being able to deal with situations, especially when you have to deal with other people, I feel that I'm very good at talking to people or understand where people are coming from because I'm older and I have more life experiences, like I have a marriage or I have children. I can really relate to a lot of people Mm -hmm. on like those levels, whereas young uh, people just coming up who have no uh, ties like that might not be able to grasp how to talk to people like that. Yeah, that makes sense, but, certainly. So I feel like that was like a big, that was a big advantage for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of the work you do seems very challenging. Going traveling, going to stay in these crazy places, or even being in very dangerous situations, <laughs> which I know you've been. And I, I just wonder how you sort of like gather the strength and resilience to keep going into these situations. And like, how do you kind of take care of that in yourself that you have it in you to do this work? Money is a great motivator, that's for sure. <laughs> but the thing is, the the life of a journalist, it's actually like, it's really fun. 
People always say, oh, we don't get paid a lot, but we have more fun than anybody else does. And <laughs> that that really just the pursuit of the story is it's so it's fun. I love mm-hmm. it. And you don't always get a chance to do it because, as I was saying, sometimes you have to do those really hard news situations that are not that fun. But when you're lucky, you get to follow stories that you really love. Uh-huh. Like there's parts of this job that I would do if I was getting paid or not, mm-hmm. because I just am really interested in like a certain aspect of American culture or politics or, or environmental science or climate change that I feel like I want to discover that I want to see for myself firsthand mm-hmm. and the pursuits of those stories that's what really keeps me going. You can see it right now, like with the, I'm not at the war in Ukraine, but you can mm-hmm. see it in the like. It's so important. If those photographers weren't there and mm-hmm. weren't showing what was going on, we would have no idea. Yeah. Or like January 6th, for example, that I did cover. Mm-hmm. If there were no photographers or videographers there showing what's going on, like then the right wing could control the narrative and Mm -hmm. they, you know, could say anything. It's so important. Or again, with the COVID and New York city all over the country, people are saying, Oh, it's not a big thing. It's not important. Nobody's dying in New York. We saw it with our own eyes, like how intense it was, how scary it was uh, and how many people were dying And it was really important to be out there and show that and show the truth to people. That's what keeps, I think, every journalist going is the feeling that you're finding the truth and you're Mm -hmm. showing it to people and knowing that that's a really important thing. It's so important. It's worth even risking your life to Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. Many journalists risk their lives to show the truth. It's a really amazing profession and you really feel, they call it you're in a tribe. You really do feel like you're part of this tribe of people and everywhere you go, if you're covering an event, there'll be other photojournalists there. You always come together with them and people, it's, people know each other or they'll know each other's work and they're all will share information and, and share jokes and levity and really mm-hmm. it feels good to ha- be part of that tribe every the people really have your back mm-hmm. and there's this big thing with photojournalists like uh, FOMO the fear of missing out like mm-hmm. journalists want to be where something is happening they have to be they're just uh-huh. if they're not they like go crazy they're saying they go nuts that's important that as a photojournalist is to not just follow the news. Some people do just follow the news, but I, me personally, I think it's important to follow the news that seems to fit into what I consider my story, the kind of stories that I want to follow and I think are important. For me, it's always a mix of doing like breaking news and doing what's called editorial features Mm -hmm. for me. I need to have like a balance of both of those Mm -hmm. because some people just follow the news, but I I don't want to just follow the news. I'm really want to be curious about showing 
other important aspects of the world, like Native American rights or mm-hmm. climate justice or you know, climate change. I'm always looking at other stories that might be popping up around the country and thinking that, oh, I want to cover that story in Alabama or I want to cover that story in California and trying to position myself to get to those places to work on those stories as a as a way of creating this body of work that is about other issues besides just the the breaking news that's going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Do you find that um, going after these stories that you're personally interested in sort of creates an overall, as it adds to your body of work, it's like Stephanie does this kind of work. You become sort of known for working on those kinds of projects. And do you find that you actually get more of those projects as a result? Absolutely. I feel like I staked (laughs) out like a portion of the Native American issues. Mm -hmm. And now I get those kind of stories because I'm known to do those kind of stories. And I find them to be really interesting. And I get to go places that I've always wanted to go, like the Navajo Reservation or Mm -hmm. go to different Lakota reservations. And I get to... And now I'm kind of hoping to get into another aspect of doing more work on like climate change and environmental Mm -hmm. issues. I did a couple of those stories last year. And so Mm -hmm. I hope to use that work as a way of getting more work because I find that, you know, interesting. Not only is it that really keeps me going is knowing that I can work on stories that I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. That it's mm-hmm. not just reactions to breaking news, but I, I can work on stories I really love. Like some of the stories I work on, I feel like they're kind of like a dream come true. Mm, that's the important thing about picking and choosing like that and being kind of intentional about it is that it starts to build. Like when I did that story in about wild mountain lion conservation, that was like a dream come true because I've always been obsessed with cougars, mountain lions. And I got to track a wild cougar in the forest in Washington State. I love that story. I never thought I'd ever see a mountain lion. And that was amazing. That was like a dream come true. And then you hope that the story that you did somehow makes an impact and people will see it and maybe mm-hmm. there'll be a lot of stories do make an impact. I hope that. Do you feel like the work that you do on these stories that you really love, that you're really interested in, do you feel like they have a different quality than some of the other stories, which are more covering things that maybe are a little bit more just sort of like a news story that maybe you're not as personally engaged with? I feel like the story, these other stories they have like I think they're maybe a little quieter and a little more maybe poetic or they're just I think they have you I think you can tell you know how engaged I am with the people they're very focused on the people and very personal Mm -hmm. and very very personal and they're very focused on very specific individuals like not like famous people but just people that might represent I remember in school they would say sometimes like the more you focus on a on a small thing 
the more ramifications it has, like mm. on the large scale, you just uh-huh. show. I really, I, I really love those stories. You really get to know the people who are being affected by these issues, like like drought and the lack of basic human rights. And I think it's really important to get to know them. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss one. If you're enjoying these conversations, it really helps spread the word when you rate and review a podcast. I'd love you to help me share these inspiring journeys with more people all over the world. If you'd like to get in touch with me or learn more about my work, you can find me at SusanMaddoxStudio.com or on Instagram at SusanMaddoxStudio. Do join us again for more stories of resilience from the creative frontline here on Art Rebound with me, Susan Maddox. Goodbye.